and seem to be at a tipping point. This doesn't feel like merely the early season blast. This feels like a deeper problem because, like we've discussed, nothing is going right, and no one is playing well, and the coaching ain't so hot. The bad starts and early deficits clearly indicate lack of focus, and that's mostly on the coaches. And now I challenge you, to call in at 412-333-WXDX and please tell me how the Steelers can be fixed. What can the Steelers do to fix it? Now, I'm going to tell you what the Steelers won't do. They won't fire Tomlin or either of the coordinators. They won't bench Ben. They won't reach out to Lev Bell to try and convince him to report. Tomlin won't do anything more to their game plan besides tweak it. There will not be an overhaul. Tomlin won't suddenly become a hardliner when it comes to discipline. The leaders won't suddenly lead better. The other players won't suddenly follow better. The players who don't love football enough won't suddenly start to. And the Steelers won't make lineup changes because, sadly, the guys starting are their best players. Okay, so, now that you know that, tell me what the Steelers should do. Because the reality is, there's not much the Steelers can do. Fairies wear boots and you gotta believe me. One, two, and one, and it won't get worse, yeah. Fairies Wear Boots brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. I do believe it gets worse before it gets better for the Steelers, and I'm not sure when it will get better. The Steelers uh, gave some first-team reps to Matthew Thomas in practice this past week. He's the free agent linebacker from Florida State who impressed in camp, but he got zero snaps at linebacker yesterday. That kind of ties into not making lineup changes, not doing more with the scheme besides tweaking it. They're going to live and die with who they got and the way they do things. And in some ways, I can't fault the Steelers for that because that is always what the Steelers have done. Adam Schefter on ESPN reported that the Steelers are now actively shopping Lev Bell. Instead of just waiting for the phone to ring, the Steelers are dialing out. But Schefter reports that the Steelers won a second-round pick and a good player. They'd have a better chance of making the deal if they'd asked for a bad player, but the Steelers won a second-round pick and a good player, and the Steelers just aren't going to get that for a rental who can't even negotiate long-term And who knows if Bell would report fat or high or unmotivated or whatever. Mike DeCourcy, the Sporting News, wrote a great column about how the Steelers blew it with Bell in the offseason. 
that they should have just traded him or let him go and used that money they were going to spend on him to get their defense in better shape and to bring in a better running back to be part of a committee with James Conner. I have said repeatedly uh, today and even going back a couple weeks now that James Conner isn't good enough to be a number one back in the league. He would be good enough to be part of a committee. But he's their workhorse. Well, he got nine carries, but he's in there for all the snaps when they line up with a running back. Uh, Cincinnati won. Baltimore won, obviously. Cleveland almost beat Oakland. It's going to be difficult for the Steelers to get a wild card, let alone win that division. Cincinnati and Baltimore uh, might both be pretty good, but I will never trust the Bengals. Uh, Baker Mayfield made four turnovers yesterday, and Oakland turned three of those into touchdowns. So Mayfield made some rookie mistakes, but Cleveland still likes what they got. Heck, the bar hasn't been set real high for bronze quarterbacks. Uh, I was watching Fox Sports yesterday, their studio show for football, and they got Terry Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson and Howie Long, and they're all white with white hair and big heads with craggy faces. It's like Mount Rushmore came to life and started talking. Milwaukee about to win the Central Division with the playoff game victory against the Cubs. Josh Hader, I think he's going for a two-inning save here. I don't think he's yelling racial slurs either or tweeting racial slurs between pitches. So he's learned his lesson. I'm glad to see the Cubs take it uh, up the backside and not win the division because Joe Mad's just a dink. They have more money than anybody. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Pirate fans, I'll tell you, Pirate fans, you should be pissed because Milwaukee was where the Pirates were a few years ago. And instead of dismantling their team, they went on, got Yelich and a couple other guys and now they're one pitch away from winning the division and putting the Cubs in the wild card game. The Cubs and Dodgers, the two real big money teams, wouldn't it be great if they were in the wild card game? Wouldn't it be great if the Brewers finish off uh, finish off the Cubs here and the Rockies beat the Dodgers? That would indeed be too sweet. Let's go to uh, Nick in Level Green. Nick, you're on with the Super Genius. Hey, Mark, to extend what you were talking about, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, what you feel is the one position to start at with trying to get guys in, and do we start now? Uh, do you get someone What, start right now? Who are you, who you going to get right now? Well, that's, what I, that's exactly what I'm asking. Like, who's no, the no, they, the Steelers are a stink sandwich, and every day they got to take another bite. There's, they're going to do what they do with what they got and how they do it, but I don't think they'll change things radically. If they don't make the playoffs, if they do have a losing season, I think they'll just figure it was a bad year and move on and do things the same way because that's how the Steelers have always done it. Have they ever been this bad, though, in the recent history after 2000? Like, have they yeah, Cowher had like those this? three years in a row when he was under 500. They were pretty hopeless then. Did they still have a good defense, though? 
I, I, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. remember. I, it's, it's a talk show, not a trivia contest. I, I don't remember every detail. I barely remember what happened like half an hour ago. Cubs get hit their rally, and let's go to Joe in Green County. Joe, you're on with Double M. Good to talk to Joe. Let's go to Jason in the car. Jason, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. I uh, want to make a couple comments. One, about the, the slow starts. This is, you know, I think I saw the, the third game in a row, the Steelers have found themselves in a two-touchdown hole at home. Uh, that's just absolutely killing them when they already have a suspect defense and they're playing from behind all game. Well, they fell way behind last night. They fell way behind against Kansas City, and they fell way behind against Jacksonville in the playoff game last year. So there you go. Three huge deficits, three home games in a row, indeed. And my other point, you know, to kind of go on top of that is when you get in that hole, any kind of game plan you have offensively to try to involve a running game just kind of goes out the window because you're just trying to desperately get back in. Yes, but he's not good enough. No, the D's not good enough. But they no, no, no. Connor's not good enough. I, I would say that that's you know he's nowhere near Bell's talent level, obviously. But I think they got to the tie score yesterday in the second half. Offense just non-existent. I don't know what the plan was, but you know, no adjustments at halftime. Yeah, Connor's not good enough. I, I mean, everybody tries to just bend over backwards, like you did now, and very well, I might add, to try to figure out a reason where it's not his fault. It's not just his fault, but he's not good enough. Thank you for the call. Are we so enamored with him beating cancer and being a pit guy that we're going to deny what we see, which is that he's just not good enough? Are we so enamored with the story that that's more important? There's more blame on Ben than there is on Connor, and there should because Ben was rotten, and he's the quarterback, and he's the guy. But, boy, when you have to throw every down, it ain't easy. And you have to throw every down when you trail early and often and by a lot and when your number one running back isn't a number one running back. Let's go to Bob in Uniontown. Bob, you're on with the super genius. Good day, sir. What up? Yeah, I was calling regarding the Tom Wilson hit. It seemed to be very similar to the one Matt Cook put on Mark Savard. A handful of years ago, and I was just curious. Oh my God! Oh, it's a fly ball. I thought I thought Rizzo hit a home run. He got under it though. Brewers win! Brewers win! Brewers win! My God! Bruins win! Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, Cook was a dirty bastard. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, I'm not sure. You see, I get stick from Capitals fans on Twitter whenever I criticize Tom Wilson. What about Matt Cook? I criticize Matt Cook when he played for the Penguins. Yeah, no doubt. It's dirty. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, I think Tom Wilson's a more threatening, predatory, and damaging player, if only by virtue of being a lot bigger and stronger than Matt Cook. So do you think that penalty that he should receive anyhow should be worse than than Matt Cook years ago in Savard? Or? Matt Cook didn't get that many games with Savard. He got a huge penalty. He got the entirety of the playoffs when he got Ryan McDonough with an elbow to the melon bit up. Well, okay, if it's up to me, I would give Tom Wilson 25 games. I bet he gets two. I think that's fair for... In fact, it wouldn't shock me. Listen to the convoluted logic I'm about to spew. But tell me it's not at least a possibility. I could see them not suspending him at all because they'd feel they were cheating him out of the banner ceremony 
on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And that's how the NHL thinks. They won't want to cheat this fine Canadian kid out of the banner ceremony on Wednesday. You watch. You watch. Or they'll delay it or let him appeal it so he can be involved with the banner ceremony Wednesday. You watch and see if that's not how it goes. Okay, we got Mark, Corey, and Kevin on hold, which is good because we got nothing scheduled till Phil Bork at 4.30, which will be tremendous. The Brewers win. Brewers win. Oh, my God. Right after the game, Hader did tweet that he thinks James Conner isn't a legitimate number one running back, which, since James Conner is a man of color, is racism. And Hader has been suspended for the National League Division Series. 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, what's up, Mr. Madden? Their mock might say no right now, but in their hearts, they're saying yes, yes, oh yes. The X at 105.9. Uh, the Washington Post is reporting Tom Wilson has an in-person hearing with the NHL uh, Wednesday morning. That means he'll be suspended for more than five games and obviously would not be in the lineup Wednesday night when the Capitals raise the banner. Uh, that's good. Uh, I really thought that Wilson could get away with what he did for the sake of the good Canadian boy being there when they raised the banner, but uh, he deserves to miss that. Wilson deserves to miss the banner raising. He deserves to miss a lot more than that for what he did uh, to Zach Aston Reese last year and what he did to Oscar Sundquist in an exhibition game. There's no excuse to do that at any time, but it takes a predatory a-hole of the worst kind to do it in an exhibition game. Well, uh, I perused Twitter for the last, uh, well, not quite 24 hours, but people sure do love to blame Ben. And there are actually X amount of people on Twitter saying they should put Josh Dobbs in a quarterback. Okay, now my question for you people is, if you think Dobbs should play, or Mason Rudolph, whoever. Heck, bring back Terry Hanratty. If they play Josh Dobbs, let's let's keep it with Dobbs for the purpose of this question. If they put Dobbs in, what exactly do you think would happen? Tell me what you think the upside of that would be. How would that play out? Because I'll tell you what would happen. They would have no chance to beat anybody. No chance to beat anybody. Which makes me almost hope they do it. Boy, I can't, you know, Ben, if you're listening, take this in the right spirit. I can't wait till Ben retires. Because when Ben retires, my attachment to this team on any small level is over. I am not invested at all, quite the opposite, in fact. And I will be able to just enjoy this. You know those websites I I heard they have? where you, like, log on and you chat with a member of the opposite success and she says and does suggestive things and takes off her clothes and you gratify yourself? I've heard about those. Never used them. Can't prove that, Russ. But if Ben retires and the Steelers stink when he does, I won't need those sites. I'll be there. Billy Hilly will be saying... The Steelers trail Baltimore 34-3, to and I'll be like, yeah. 
Thanks, Bill. Let's go to Mark and Irwin. Mark, you're on with the Super Genius. Hey, Mark. Uh, two things I wanted to comment. Uh, I think I was encouraged from some things last night on offense with Switzer and McDonald. Yeah, yeah, they're going to win the Super Bowl, Switzer and McDonald. Well, and I also think that James Conner, I thought he graded out well, particularly on the blitz pickup. He averaged two yards a carry. Well, I mean, you have to look at each play, Mark. No, no, when the running back averages two yards per carry, he sucked. No. Oh, the blitz pickup. I'm I'm ready again, Billy. Blitz pickup. Look at the carries he had. Bro, you think he's a good story? Bro, you think he's a good story? You like him because he beat cancer. Maybe you had a relative who beat cancer. God bless whoever. But, but bro, he, he's, he's, not, he's not a number one running back. Well, because well, he picks the up the blitz. He... What? Look at the game sample. How many games? You know what? You're right. Let's, You're right. Let's, now, let's that, now that my attitude toward the Steelers becomes more crystallized, let him start forever. He'll be just terrific. Let's go to Corey in the car. Corey, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, what up? What up? So, I'm not ready to write this season off yet, although it's not looking good. Well, uh, I, I am good. ready to write it off if they lose to Atlanta. I I agree with you. If they drop the 1-3-1 and and 0-3 and at home, it's over. It's over. It's over. Delete! Looking, looking towards the future, who do you see them uh, trying to draft? Are they? Oh, I don't know. I don't care. Goodbye. Yeah, let's analyze next year's draft. What year's Miles Sanders in? Because I actually know who that is. So I'm going to say, yeah, he'll come out early. Miles Sanders, if he's a junior. If he's a senior, definitely take him. Let's go to Patience in Green Tree. Patience, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark, how you doing? What up? Uh, hey, those last two calls were pretty bad. But the uh, reason why I'm calling Let's see now, you do better then, young man. All right. Considering the uh, lack of depth at the cornerback position... And the injury to Hilton, would it hurt at this point to bring in any free agents that are available to try them out or anyone promote anyone from the practice squad? Because at this point, you can't get any worse than Artie Burns and Cody Sensabaugh in the NFL at that Every position. time, in nearly every situation, be it football, okay. any sport, real life, the minute you say it can't be any worse, it invariably is. Can they bring anyone in? There's nobody. Bro, 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 don't forget. There's 31 other teams. And a lot of them have crappy cornerbacks, too. There's nobody out that, there. Even Lewis still wants a shot to come back in. He was pretty good before the injury. And the Steelers brought him in last year. Who? But Keenan Lewis, their last decent ah, screw him. Goodbye. Your call wasn't any better. They should bring back Deion Sanders. Let's go real quick to Ron and Millville. One of my favorite places, Ron. You're on with Mark. Hi, Mark. Just two questions. Uh, one about Ben, one about Tomlin. Do you think there's any chance Ben might be playing just a little hurt? And two, why does Tomlin always make a challenge on the mark of the ball when he knows he's never going to win those? Yeah, I'm not going to nitpick about his challenges because that didn't in any remote sense determine the result of the game last night. Plus, which I thought they got the challenge wrong. I didn't think he made the sticks, and they said he did anyway. As far, as far as Ben playing hurt, I, I don't know. He's supposedly, well, I mean, look at him. He's in very good shape, more so than he had been. Like I always say about Ben, 
He usually looks like a beer league softball player. Now he looks like a really good beer league softball player. But, uh, you know, Ben's not the type to make excuses, uh, nor will I make one for him. If he was hurt, I mean, the guy talks about his injuries. If he was hurt, I assume we would know. Up next, hockey talk. Going to be great with our good buddy, his first appearance of the new year, the old 2-9er, Phil Bork. He's up next on 105.9. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Joining me now, brought to you by Coors Light. He is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He does analysis on Penguins radio broadcasts. He wore the coolest helmet ever. We welcome back to the program the old 2-9er, Phil Bork. Borky, I feel like the Penguins had a solid camp and have a loaded roster. If we want to start with basics, the basics look pretty good, don't they? I concur. I think that everything kind of shifted out the way we thought uh, they would, uh, except for probably the one surprise was Yuso Rikola. Uh, but it was good to see how the line combination started to form, Mark, and we started to see some chemistry. I thought the power play at times looked like the power play from last year. And um, it was good to see, knock on wood, that relatively speaking, I think we get out of training camp pretty healthy. I know some guys have some bumps and bruises, but overall, I think you have to be pretty excited about this upcoming season, mostly because of the depth that we have and the talent that we have and and uh, the, maybe the little bit of a uh, in the pit of the stomach feel like the way things ended last year uh, are just fuel for our fire this year. You mentioned Ricola, and he certainly had a terrific camp, but uh, if everybody's healthy... Who could he replace in the top six, Borky? He deserves a spot on the team, but I think once Dumoulin heals up, he goes to Wilkes. Yeah, this is a real interesting one. Uh, just because he, there's no question in my mind, he had such a good training camp, he deserves 100% to be in the lineup. But I didn't think anybody deserves to come out of the lineup as far as the top uh, six guys, as far as the defensemen. And uh, so I think he's just going to have to wait his turn. If Brian Dumoulin can't go on Thursday, it sure looks like he's going to be on the left side uh, repra- replacing Dumoulin and playing with Chris Letang. But this kid can kind of do it all. He, he's not that big, but he's got some physical jam. Uh, he's an outstanding skater. I love his mobility. I love the way he runs the power play. Uh, tape-to-tape passes. You don't even have to move your stick, Mark, and it's flat and it's right in the middle of your blade. Uh, and what's really surprising me is his adjustment to the smaller ice surface. You know, it takes maybe a, a year, maybe ha- half a year for a lot of European defensemen, especially where there's a lot of angling, uh, and a lot of times you get pressured a lot quicker than you're used to. So this, the adjustment by this youngster, well, he's not really a youngster, he's 24 years of age, but uh, the way that he is just seamlessly caught on to not only his teammates, the Penguins, but also adjusted to the National Hockey League speed is, is really something special. What's your take on Jack Johnson's preseason, and how is he going to fit? I think really good. I, I, I love Jack Johnson. Uh, there's a lot of people that want to kind of chip away at Jack Johnson. I, I just never understood it. I mean, here's a guy with great size. He can really skate. He's not afraid to jump up on the rush. He's got a bomb of a shot. Now, maybe it takes him a little bit of time to get it off, but that's fine, too. Um, and I, I don't think he'd look really out of place if you put him on a second power play. And uh, he's kind of got that uh, that nasty gene, if you know what I mean, that uh, it doesn't take much to, to, to light a fire under him. He's, he's a big hitter, especially in the middle of the ice. 
And uh, what I also like is he can play both the left side and the right side. And if, if things kind of uh, look like they're going to go, he's probably going to start the season on the right side with Ole Mata. So, I, again, I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to pump up Jack Johnson. I'm just stating the facts and what I witnessed. But I think he's one heck of a hockey player, and I think he's a great figure. Well, Borky, I love the defense core. It's an underrated group, I think. I think it might be one of the best groups in the Eastern Conference. People laugh at me when I say that, but I look at Toronto, supposedly favored to win the Eastern Conference, and their defense stinks. Yeah, they don't really even have a number one guy. If you want to say Jake Gardner is your number one guy, that's a stretch. Yeah, so, and you look at Justin Schultz, who I think uh, by his own admission, Mark, has said that uh, I need to be a lot better. I, I can, can contribute a lot more offensively than I did last year, and I think he's going to inject himself in the offense. And I think Chris Letang uh, is, is ready to be that guy again. And uh, Ole Mata looks very nimble in his, his footwork. And I think Jamie Oleksiak, another guy that kind of people don't mention much about Oleksiak, but, man, I would hate to play against this guy. Just him leaning on you, he, again, has that nasty gene. He's got a bomb of a shot. He injects himself in the offense in the preseason and looks really good. So, yeah, you talk about that six as a whole. You might look at a team like San Jose and go, okay, they have Burns, they have Carlson, big high-end guys but and classic. But, you know, you look at their number five and six, and they're not as good as the Penguins number five and six. So, uh, yeah, I think that they're as good as any other defensive core in the league. You hear about Latang maybe playing less minutes this year, but will that really help him, Borky? Because I'm not sure. No, he's a guy, he's, he's just like one of those, you know, finely tuned Ferraris that just likes to run. Uh, and, and the more they run, the better uh, they, uh, they are and the better he plays. So, yeah, his comfort level is probably 25 minutes. And, I mean, what are you talking about dialing down a minute or two? Okay, fine. I, I don't think that's going to change much. I just don't think he needs to have those games, Mark, where he gets, let's say, over 26 and a half minutes, gets up to 27, 28. I, I think that's where... I think most defensemen, they start to conserve a little bit. And, you know, Tanger's one of those guys that doesn't shy away from the physical contact, whether it's him delivering or him receiving. A lot of times he'll make a play and he'll just kind of hang in there and take the check. I think that's the one thing he has to get away from. Well, maybe that's worked in the past, but now he's been around a while and teams target him and they, they go a little bit harder when they finish their checks on him. So I think he's got to throw a little bit of a Nicholas Lindstrom into his game, being able to to make the play and then spin off those checks but you don't take them full on like he has in the past. We're talking to Phil Bork, the old 2-9er, brought to you by Coors Light here on the Mark Madden Show. What are your expectations for Sid and Gino, who are 31 and 32, not old but not young, still in their prime, but uh, it's not the kind of league where you get 100 points very often anymore. What are you expecting from number 87 and number 71? Yeah, both in the top 10 in scoring last year. Um, you expect the same. Uh, you expect the same and, and, and be leaders and, and make the players who play with them better, uh, play both ends of the ice. Uh, you know, for Gino, it's, it's being better defensively, stopping and starting more, not taking any shortcuts, uh, none of these high-risk passes, cross-ice passes, and just becoming a, a complete player. Uh, I mean, both of them, I thought, had tremendous seasons last year in all the categories I just listed. Uh, and I expect more of the same, and you're right. They're still at that age where you can expect that. Now, in three or four years, maybe you know, our expectations drop down a little bit. But I think still at 31 and 32, uh, the numbers, I'd, I'd be surprised if the numbers uh, were down this year. I think 
you know, with a healthy Jake Gensel, a better Jake Gensel. Same with Carl Hagelin with, with Gino. Uh, I think you look at those top six and you throw Horny in there too and, and Phil. I mean, you look at that, the top six, those two lines, the chemistry they have, the scoring ability, the playmaking ability. Uh, I don't see 87 and 71 slowing down for a while. Uh, Sid and Gensel are a perfect fit. But what about Gino and Kessel, which is like an annual debate now, Borky? The one thing I don't like is when Gino plays with Phil, Gino maybe doesn't look to shoot as much. Yeah, because he looks for Phil first every single time. Uh, and I think that has to change. And I think Mike Sullivan, without being as as clear-cut as I am right now, has kind of danced around it a little bit when he speaks to the media. But I don't think behind closed doors. I think he's flat-out told him. Hey, listen, if you guys are going to play together, if I'm going to put you together, because I know it's pretty obvious they want to play together, right? Uh, they've been very vocal about that. Uh, that, number one, I need to trust you defensively. Um, but, you know, Carl Hagelin is a guy that can kind of, you know, allow Geno and allow uh, a Phil to maybe go for it a little more uh, offensively, knowing that 62 is always going to back there, be back there covering their bacon. But, I just don't think they can become predictable. And I kind of seen that at times during the preseason where Phil looks for Gino. Gino looks for Phil to a fault. And they're trying to make these passes that, that just are not there where you're thinking, man, the, the right play, the simple play, the easy play, the first play, was just pound the pill, get it to the net. Instead of always looking for that particular guy. And, you know, teams watch videos. Teams have, you know, meetings. They have scouts let see that. So if we can see it, other teams see it too. And I think you just need to become a little more unpredictable when it comes to uh, Gino and Phil. What's the point of Sprong on the fourth line? But then again, I can't be critical of Sully because where else do you put him? The Penguins are loaded at right wing. Yeah, Bessard, Simone, and Ross seems like a pretty good line. And they were really starting to cook with some gas here in the preseason. So you're not going to touch them either. So, yeah, if he's going to be in the lineup, he's going to have to find a way to play with Riley Sheehan and, and Matt Cullen. Uh, because you have a guy like Alex Grant that's chopping at the bit that's still here, too, that could be plugged in there. So, hey, welcome to the National Hockey League and welcome to the reality of what you're going to have to do and to find a way. And listen, Sheehan and, uh, and Cullen are, are no slouches. I mean, they can make plays, they can finish, and, you know, that's what – if you're a low man on the totem pole uh, and you're expected to produce, it, it, you know, you, you could be playing with much – Lesser talented players, you're not. You're very lucky if you're if you're Daniel Sprong to play with a Sheehan and a Cullen. So make the most of it. Find a way to produce. Find a way to to get ice time. Uh, I think Sully will also try to get them out, get him out there on a second power play unit just to get his minutes up, uh, and mostly because of that great shot he has. How is the center position going to shake down below Sid and Gino? Will Broussard stay at center? Will Cullen stay at wing? And where does Grant fit in? Well, the thing about uh, Grant is he can play both wing and center, kill penalties. He's just kind of a, you know, a six-tool guy, man. He can you can kind of plug and play wherever you need him, left wing, right wing. So you, you love to have guys like that and a big body also. But as far as the centers, I mean, obviously, Sid, Gino, Broussard um, seems to have found his game here in the last little while. He just seemed to get better and better as the preseason progressed, and I, I don't see him being out on putting up on the wing there unless you know you're down a, a goal late and you want to throw him out there with uh with maybe with uh with Gino, put him on the left side and take Haggy off there. That's possible. But I think you want to have that continuity and that chemistry that you seem to be building right now. As far as the fourth line, I think it could go either way. You know, we might see three games 
with Shahan playing center, and then we might see a couple games with Cully playing center. So I don't, I don't think that's etched in stone. And I, I think Shahan and Cullen are very comfortable. Whoever's going to be the center, the other guy's going to be the wing, and I think they're fine with it. What's Matt Murray going to do? Because last year was rough for Murray in several ways, but he's big time, and i got a feeling he's going to have a – well, it would be tough for him to have a career season given what he's done, but I think he might approach that. Yeah, I think he's going to have a big year, too. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the, whether it's injuries or anything else off the ice, is clearly in the rearview mirror, and he's ready to move forward. And, and uh, you know, I, I also love that Murray's very vocal about his um, assessing his play um, and uh, always seems to be the first one to take responsibility when things don't go right. I think that, that earns a lot of respect in the locker room and with the media and the fans. With that being said, uh, you know, this is a guy that, you know, has a great resume, and he, he doesn't want to be that guy that, oh, yeah, remember that Mount Murray had two great years, and then he just kept going downward. I will, downward. I will say this one thing, Mark. I think that Matt Murray produces uh, on a more consistent level when he feels a little bit pushed, when he feels – and obviously when you have a guy like Mark Rondy Fleury trying to grab your net, uh, that's built in motivation right there. But I think if – whether it's Tristan Jari or Casey the Smith, I think the better they play – and the, I think the more that consciously or subconsciously pushes Matt Murray to continue to strive and, and stay ahead and, and want the net every single game. I think you do have to be cautious, a little more cautious than maybe some other goaltenders on the number of games that he plays. You know, A lot of starting goaltenders want to play 65. Well, Matt Murray, maybe he gets down to 60 or, or 57, somewhere in there, just because he has had a little bit of a history of some nagging things. So I think you want to be cautious and make sure that he's geared up for a long spring and a run into June. We got Washington in town for the opener Thursday night. Uh, Can the Caps repeat, Borky? I'm not sure they're wired that way. I think they fought uphill so long with so many disappointments, they might be happy to just win once. Yeah, I'm not going to disrespect them at all because they are the defending champs and um, they are loaded. When you look at their talent, they really didn't change their team at all. In fact, they, you know, except the Grubauer, the uh, Philip Grubauer has moved on to Colorado, and they have Phoenix Copley as their backup. But you know, they went all the way out. They went so far out of their way to get Brooks Orpik back, trading him with Grubauer to Colorado, where he's bought out and got him back, just so they can keep the band together. Um, I'm still not sure if Ovechkin's sobered up yet, so we'll have to wait and see on <laughs> Thursday if, if that's the case. But yeah, I mean. Everything has to go your way. And they did go the Caps way last year, whether it's calls, whether it's bounces, whether it's off the post and out or off the post and in, whichever works in your favor. Um, it's going to be interesting how Todd Reardon, the first time being a head coach, how he handles the downs. And there are going to be downs every time uh, you know, that happens. But you, know, you can't disrespect them. You can't say no way they're going to repeat because you look at their talent and you look at uh, their forwards and the way they can score goals and – They've, they've proven now they can defend in big-game situations. So uh, I don't see it happening, but I'd never count them out just because of the talent they have. And finally, Borky, I'm sure you saw the hit by Tom Wilson on Oscar Sundquist in that exhibition game between Washington and St. Louis the other night. Uh, Wilson has an in-person hearing Wednesday morning. I thought that hit was disgusting and predatory. What kind of punishment do you think he'll get? It's a long list of disgusting hits by him. Makes my stomach churn as a former player. Um, 50 games is not enough for me. I mean, it's, it's absolutely absurd uh, the way the league is kind of 
uh, bought into this guy getting in front of them, uh, in front of a microphone and saying, I'm not that kind of guy. I didn't want to hurt him. It's the same story every single time. Uh, an in-person hearing, the way I understand it, uh, starts with a suspension at six games. Um, when they ask you to come in for that actual hearing to go face-to-face, I don't know how he defends himself on this one. Um, he got away with one last year in the Columbus series, if you remember that, where everything's blindsided with him, and everything is taking 15 strides. I mean, we got rid of Matt Cohen, uh, excuse me, Matt Cook in this league for hits just like this. Um, there's, there's no place in the game for it. I also was sick to my stomach. Sunquist is hurt now. Who knows if he'll be able to come back. If, if, if this is not minimum 10 games, then once again I throw my hands up in the air and the player safety. Player safety. And here's the other part. Where is the Players Association sticking up for Oscar Sunquist? I'm sure they're going to stick up for Tom Wilson and say, oh, let's make sure, let's, you know, let's, uh, make sure he doesn't get too many games here. How about Oscar Sunquist? Somebody should be sticking up for him. If it's not 10 games, uh, I will be disgusted beyond belief. Borky, great stuff. We'll do it again in a couple weeks. We'll see you Thursday night as well. Sounds good, Double M. I enjoyed it like always, and this was good hockey talk. That's Phil Bork brought to you by Coors Light. Enjoy Coors Light drafts for just two seventy five during all Penguin games at Dive on Carson Street in the South Side. They got daily food specials too. Talk to Bob McLaughlin at a moment. One zero five nine. And now the super genius Mark Madden. What's up, man? Legalizing something and doing it to the point of being stupid are two different things. Stupid. The X at one zero five nine. The Pirates fired their hitting coaches. Hitting coach Jeff Branson and assistant hitting coach Jeff Wivesey let go. Honestly, if they fired anybody or everybody, I know, 82 wins, huzzah, beat them bucks, Cueto dropped the ball. It amazes me the amount of nostalgia today over that Cueto game, that National League wildcard game five years ago today where Cueto dropped the ball. Another radio host said that was the most exciting moment in recent Pittsburgh sports history. Yeah, except for Stanley Cups and Super Bowls. Are we that desperate to validate the Pirates haven't had, you know, three decent years? Remember when Cueto dropped the ball? Yeah, I do, and it led to absolutely nothing. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, I said at the top of the show my simple... One sense analysis of the Steelers. They stink and they're poorly coached. And anything on top of that is just mere detail. Details aren't important right now. You're right. It's it's everything. Last night was everything. I thought that there was a, a bit of a chance when they roared back and tied it at 14-14. They looked like they were putting it together. But those first two series of the third mark, boy, that told the story of the night last night. As you talked about with Matt Williamson, Score didn't make it seem like the game, the real game went. It, it wasn't close last night. Yeah, I thought that Pittsburgh never was in danger of winning. I don't think Baltimore played great, but I thought they controlled the ball offensively and uh, lived up to their billing on defense, number one rated going into the game, and, and did a pretty good job against the Steelers, especially in the second half. Uh, what's wrong with the Ben and Brown connection? And do you suspect there's a little friction there as noted today, in a couple blogs, it was mentioned that when they like kind of had you know hand signals at each other on the field, when 
You know, they miscommunicated on the field. They didn't talk at all off the field after. In fact, they pointedly went in opposite directions. Yeah, friction, frustration, maybe equal parts. Uh, and it's been like that, I mean, off and on for a little bit of time. Now, last night, obviously, the worst example of it. Um, but they are missing each other. Sometimes it looks like AB's not running this, the, the right route, as you know, Shannon Sharp pointed out last week that he, that was him at fault two, a week ago. Last night, Ben had a couple behind him, uh, one a little bit downfield on him. They are just not on the same page, and they said as much last night. Good to see Ben take responsibility for it last night. He's not shucking that at all, uh, but they have to get that fixed if the Steelers have any chance. Is James Conner legitimate number one running back in the NFL? I thought he was after game one, uh, but we're four games in now, and uh, it, that hasn't held up yet. Maybe part of that is the line. Maybe part of it is being behind every single time. But uh, I think the facts tell you right now, no. Yeah, uh, I I can't believe the amount of defending he's getting on social media. I didn't say he sucked. Didn't say he didn't belong in the league. He's just on number one back. And I know it's unfair to take away small bits of statistics and use it to prove your argument. But if you take away those two runs he had to clinch the game in the fourth quarter of Tampa, he's averaging three yards a carry. If you take away the Cleveland game, his best game, he's averaging three yards a carry. That's just not enough. Yeah, but that's – I like the way you preface that. You can't make your argument based on that. It's not fair, though. but I'm doing it anyway. Right. Well, that would be like but saying – But I can't hey, make my argument 17- still based on the whole enchilada, how he's done, period. Uh, right. I mean, 3.7, that's not good enough either. I will say this. I haven't given up on him totally. I still think that he has some good games in him for the Steelers this year. But because of the other problems and because they're always playing catch-up, Mark, he might not have that opportunity to get into the rhythm of a game or to get a, a run game established, not even calling it, because they're going to be, they're behind every game. Yeah, but when he does get the ball, he doesn't run it very well. I, I just am not sold Yeah, but him. if he would have had a 17-yard game last night. Or well, he did <laughs> He well, did. I know, but I think he had 18 yards on the whole game, Bob. Um, again, maybe that's not fair, but I just don't think he's good enough. I think he could be part of a committee for the Steelers, running back by committee after Bell leaves. But but that committee would have to be very carefully assembled, as yeah. I think most good committees are. Yeah, and maybe you don't have the pieces for that right now, even with the two guys you have on the roster backing him up. Um, and, and you have to go out and find that. And like you said, carefully put that together. But I know you poo-pooed this from a caller earlier. I did like, I think his blocking, his blitz pickup this season has been much better than it was in the I, I don't poo-poo it. That doesn't in and of itself dictate that he's the number one back in the league. No, 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 no. And I'm not even saying number one back. I'm just saying that he does look better on that. He is reliable on catches out of the backfield. There haven't been enough of those. Um, but with Ben spreading the ball around the way he has because – Seven and eighty-four aren't hooking up like they usually do. Maybe you see that uh, a little bit more, and then it, you know maybe as early as against Atlanta. And finally, Bob, uh, will the Steelers come back, get in the division race despite being tied for last right now, and ultimately either win the division or make the playoffs? I don't think they'll win the division. Um, if I had to put money down right now, I would say no, they wouldn't make the wild card because this is a tough schedule and uh, some of the easiest games that they had are already gone, and they're sitting where they're at right now. So. Oh, I picked them to be 4-0 after four games en route to 10-6. and So I think I was right there with you. I had 3-1. I don't think they make the playoffs, but i got to tell you, if they beat Atlanta, they're back in it. I think 
the game Sunday at Heinz Field against Atlanta is absolute. No, 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 no screwing around. Absolutely must win for both teams. You're right. If they win Friday, that's fair. If they if they get that one, and they start, uh, I'm sorry. If they win on Sunday at home against Atlanta and they get that rolling and they get the record equaled out, I guess as much as you can say it's equaled out, then yeah, there's a shot. But if they lose at home against the Falcons on Sunday, uh, boy, just too much gone already. Very tough to make up. That's Bob McLaughlin. In 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about the Earl Thomas situation. He broke his leg, then flipped off his own team's bench as he left the field on a cart. He's a total ass con. I'm glad he broke his leg. And in 30 seconds, I'm going to get even nastier than that here on 105.9 The X.